0: There's certain things in life that you are not supposed to have favorites. It's, you know, unfair to have favorites. Like, for instance, a favorite child. You're just not supposed to have a favorite child. Now, I don't really have to worry about this because Caleb tells me all the time he's the favorite child. So I don't even have to think about it or worry about it. He just lets me know he's the favorite. And I usually just go with that or pretend to. Um, But, you know... (laughs) What's nice about Scripture is that God never said it's bad to have a favorite verse. Nowhere in his word does he tell us you can't have a favorite book, you can't have a favorite chapter, you can't have a favorite verse. And, and so I think all of us who are believers, who have had the precious opportunity to have God's word in our hand and in our hearts, we've all over time come to find certain favorites. I mean, we love his word as a whole, but yet there are certain passages that when we just get to that passage, we're like, oh, this is a good one. It's like a, you know, a greatest hits album from our favorite group. We just we just are so familiar with it. We we love it and and it's just powerful to us. And the passage today is one of those for me. Psalm chapter 19 is it's just a beloved psalm. It's a beloved passage not only for myself but for many. And um, I want us to take a look at it and maybe try to think about it fresh though. Because sometimes When we've seen something amazing, so many times we can forget how amazing it is. And I just think this is an amazing passage. And if you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. Psalm chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us like the heavens you just continuously declare your glory. God, help us to reflect your light. Help us to point others to you. Help us to be beacons of your love, your hope, your majesty. Lord, may others see Jesus reflected in our lives and be drawn to him. We pray that you would take the reading and the proclamation of your word, and God, your Holy Spirit would do powerful things in our lives. God, that you would do amazing things that would bring you honor and glory and would touch this world. Father, we pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. There's a certain game that I think uh, all of us like to play. It's a mind game. It's a mental thing. And even those of us who say, no, I don't play games. I'm serious. I'm not into that. You know, and I, I know some people, no, I don't play board games. I don't play card games. I don't play video games. I mean, they, some people who say, I, don't, I just don't play. I don't play. They'll tell you, don't test me. I don't play. You know, and that's just their way of, the, I don't play any games. But there's this game, I think, that every single human being does at some point, and it's the what if game. What if, what if I was a little taller? What if I was a little slimmer? What if I had said yes? What if I had said no? What if I had spoke up? What if I had kept my mouth shut? We all play what if game. As busy as we all talk about being and as fast as this world goes and as much as we have to do, we all play this what if game. In our minds, we somehow come up with the time to question, what if I had done this? What if this could happen? What if this didn't happen? What if I didn't do that? And I kind of believe that perhaps the psalmist, as God was inspiring him to write Psalm 19, might have experienced a moment like this, where he said to himself, suppose the sky could speak. What if the sky could could actually talk, could give messages to us? I'll be honest, I've kind of had that question in my mind before. I've said, you know, God, you tell us in your word you're not willing for anyone to perish. God, you tell us that you want all to come to repentance, that you died for the sins of all. You love all. God, why don't you just write it in the sky where all of us, could see the truth that you exist. God, why don't you just put it up there and out there for us? And I think a lot of people have had those type of questions in their mind, and and maybe David did as well as he was working on this this psalm. And I want us to do a thought exercise this morning. I want us to think about that, that what if. What if the skies, the heavens could speak? What if? What if? What would that be like? Suppose these skies could speak, what would they say? What would they say? If the skies could speak, what would they talk about? You know, would it be the latest gossip? Uh, Would it be, you know, the forecast? I don't know. What would the skies say if they were going to speak? Well, David says if the skies were actually going to speak, if there was going to be something written and proclaimed in the skies and the heavens for us to see every single day, there'd be two things that they'd talk about. Number one, about our glorious God, how amazing and how glorious he is. He says the heavens declare the glories of God. And the second point is, and he'd also talk about not only how amazing he is, but how amazing everything he does is. Every single thing. God is not only amazing in and of himself, but his works are wondrous. His handiwork, his workmanship, his craftsmanship. God is meticulous, and he is amazing at what he does. And the The psalmist says, well, you know, if God was to choose to let the skies speak, here's what they'd say. They'd say two things. God is glorious, and everything he does is glorious. Everything he does is magical. Everything he does is wondrous. Suppose the skies could speak, what would they say? They'd talk about God, how amazing he is, and how amazing his works are. Well, how much would these skies speak? Would it be just a, a once-in-a-lifetime in thing? You know, kind of like we only know of one time in the entire history, of, in the entire Bible, we know that one time God wrote upon a wall. You remember that from the book of Daniel? The writing on the wall. And that phrase is, that phrase is in our vocabulary. People who don't even know that the, what the Bible is about will use that phrase. When we say, oh, the writing's all on the wall... What does that mean? That means the end is coming because that writing on the wall was God's message that, hey, you've messed up and, and your time is over. And so we use that phrase, the writing on the wall. What if God was going to say speak to us through the skies, not just a wall? Would it just be one time? Or would it maybe be an occasional thing that every once in a while, you know, once in a millennium or once in a... Do you know that the earth pulses every 26 seconds and scientists have no idea why it does? Interesting, right? But I've read that multiple times. The earth sends out a pulse every 26 seconds and scientists today in 2021 have no idea why. We are still trying to figure out this universe. As much of, uh, as we know, as the knowledge as we've accumulated, uh, all kinds of facts and theories and stuff, there's still so much we don't understand. So how much would be said if the skies were to actually speak? I mean, would it just be a little bit? David said, no, I don't think so. I think every single day it would just pour forth. Day after day, day after day, it bursts forth. Day after day, this speech just comes out and and, and just proclaims itself. It just bubbles up and over. I grew up in Biloxi and there was this fountain that was right there on Highway 90, this great fountain that, that bubbled up and it, it, was, it was cool. But all the high school kids and maybe a few of the young airmen thought they could make it a little cooler. And so what they would do is every so often they'd go to that very nice fountain right there on Highway 90 and they'd say, let's just slip a little detergent in here, and they do a whole load of gain or tide or whatever it was, and they pour it all in that fountain, and before you know it, it would just be bubbling over and over Highway 90, and it'd be this big mess, and I think supposedly you get into all kind of trouble if they catch you, but kids just thought it was so great and so much fun, they did it anyway, and so when I get this picture of God's speech and that the original word here is like bubbling up it's just coming up overflowing overflowing, overflowing over and over I kind of get that image of this thing you just can't stop day after day oh well are you saying God lets them work an eight-hour day a 12-hour day and then the rest of the time it's silent no when you read on it says night after night it proclaims knowledge so day after day, night after night, this message keeps on coming. It is 24-7, 365. It's not once 3,000 years ago. It's not once every 500 years or 100 years or 20 years. Day after day, the psalmist says. Day and night, all the time. And is it just some kind of little you know, something that's insignificant? No, it says it pours forth speech and then it clarifies night after night. It displays knowledge. So this is not trivial stuff, this is not unimportant stuff. This is the 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 most valuable knowledge and information you can get. It is put in the sky. Suppose the sky could speak, what would it say? How much would it say? How remarkable would it be? You say, Well, okay, okay, David. You're saying that if the sky could speak, that he'd talk about God and how awesome he was, and that, that it would just be continually going, that it, would, that it would never cease 24-7, 365. We'd always be hearing this message about God. But it would, would it be like a, maybe like a little background noise or something? You know, some kind of white noise in the background we've just, we've just tuned out, and, and, it, and it's just not even bothering us all that much? A couple weeks ago, we had session meeting, uh, and uh, we, we meet our session, our elders, and we, we get together, and we look at the church's business, and we were meeting in the fellowship hall. We used to meet in the library, but now that we try to distance things out, we kind of sit further apart out in, in the fellowship hall, and, and I said, I stopped after we'd done a couple I said, do y'all hear that noise? Can, can y'all hear that? And several of them said, I don't hear anything. I don't know. I don't hear anything. And a couple of them said, yeah, I, I think I hear that. And I said, y'all, that's sad because I'm half deaf. And if I hear it, and y'all don't, this is sad. And, 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 but nobody, nobody thought anything of it. I guess it wasn't bothering them, but I kept on. We went to, from another business item to another. And finally, I said, y'all talk amongst yourselves. Just, just, just kind of work on this little item right here. And I had to get up, and I had to find what that thing was that was just saying over and over in the background. And it was the refrigerator door. It had somehow not gotten shut all the way. And it has a little fancy feature that if the second that it gets a little bit too warm in that fridge, it starts getting your attention and saying, hey, come shut me, come shut me, come shut me, come shut me, come shut me. You know, and after a while I was like, I'm coming because I can't take it anymore. Somehow, though, sometimes we're able to tune out things like that. We're able to tune out things that especially are just kind of, you know, just average, ordinary noises, not loud beeps. We take things for granted. So even if God allowed the sky to speak and it had an amazing message, and, and, and even if this message was constant day and night, 365, maybe it was forgettable. May, maybe it was inconspicuous where you just wouldn't notice, huh? no. That's not what David said. He said if the sky could speak, it would be remarkable. It would be glorious. It would be this picture that you can't imagine. He, taught, he, he used two mental pictures. The first, uh, well, actually, we'll come back to the first. The second picture actually was an athlete, a champion athlete, uh, or some say strong man, ready to run its race. Now, I almost pulled out one of my pictures and, you know, just put it up on the screen as a display. And I thought, no, I don't have to do that. You know, you you guys already get that picture. So just imagine, seriously, though, someone who is an amazing athlete. And back when I was a tiny little bit of one, back in, like, high school athletics, I remember at the start, I I wasn't good. I love basketball, but I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. I turned out to be okay at track and, and cross country. And I remember so often there'd be false starts. And we'd have to fire, the, go back to the line and fire the gun again and again. Why? Because we were all so anxious. We were all chomping at the bit. We all couldn't wait to get started on the race. And the Bible here, the psalmist, he describes the sun as this championship athlete sitting on go that cannot wait to get started and that it runs its magnificent race. And goes all the way around its circuit. And its track isn't 400 meters. It isn't one quarter of a mile. Its track is all the way around the earth and back. And the Bible says there is no place that its, it's sun and its heat does not shine and does not cover. And, and the Bible says there is a, it's like a magnificent athlete. And, and you know... I've never been a magnificent athlete, but I know being excited to start. I know having that feeling of, I can't wait to start this race. That one of the greatest times I ever had that feeling was when I was able to go to Greece. And I actually wasn't racing in a race, but our tour guide, our tour group, actually took us up to Mount Olympus. And we were there on the mountain, and we were there at, on the remains of the original Olympic grounds. And they had the rocks marked out around it. And, and, and we could see this, this is the actual place where thousands of years ago, those athletes would run for the original prizes back in the day. And I couldn't help it. I handed my camera off to somebody else, and I was like, you got you to gotta take a picture of me. I remember thinking, I can't wait. I actually got someone to time me. That was dumb, wasn't it? But I wanted to know how fast I could run that Olympic. I was, I mean, I was geeking out about this. Here I am at the original Olympic play, and I I took off, and I ran as fast as I could around that circle and came back, and they timed me, and they took a picture, and I was like, yeah. I don't know if I beat anybody, but yeah, you know, I was excited that I had done that. This is not some forgettable thing, David says. This is like uh, someone just times 10, the excitement we get when we make a little progress in our workout life. If it's losing a pound or gaining some muscle or running a race, he said, imagine the greatest athlete in the world. We'd call it the goat nowadays, the greatest of all time. Imagine watching them. It would not be forgettable, it would not be inconspicuous, it would be glorious. And then he gives another a picture here. This is actually the first picture he gives. He says, he says, it's like a bridegroom coming out from his tent or his chamber. Now that one is a little bit more, because huh? we, we don't get this in our society, this, this isn't like us, but back then, you know, first of all, tents were a big thing, and, you know, they had a different culture in a different way, and, and this was kind of the moment, the moment at a wedding celebration, all right? See, for us today, the moment is the moment that those back doors open that dun, dun 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 starts playing. We open the doors, and there's the bride, and every eye turns and looks and stands and, and, and gazes on the bride. It's pretty cool, also, to look over at that old—I ch- mean, that fellow who's standing down here and and, and waiting for the bride and, and, and to see the look on his face too. But that's kind of that moment that everyone thinks about at a wedding. Well, in the ancient world, it was when the bridegroom came out of the tent, and he had this look on his face that everyone was like, you know, they, they were so happy, and we're just not going to go into detail here any further than this, folks, but I'm just going to tell you, it was a time where there was lots of cheering, there was lots of excitement, there was lots of, there was, it was something that nobody missed. They might have missed a lot of other details about the wedding feast and celebration, But everybody was excited when that bridegroom came out of the chambers. So the psalmist is saying this is an unforgettable, it's something that is completely remarkable. It is completely conspicuous. conspicuous. It is completely noticeable. It's not just something hidden where nobody can see it. It is a glorious event. Like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber or like the master athlete there at the start of the race, the gun goes off and he begins to sprint. This is an amazing thing. And you think to yourself, wow, well, that's really something. Suppose the skies could speak. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be incredible if they could say and tell us about how much God, how glorious he is and and how the things he does are so glorious? And and if they said it 24-7, speech and knowledge pouring forth and bubbling out and never stopping, and if they did it in such a way that was just an amazing and awe-inducing sight, wouldn't that be something? And I think at that point, that's where God... Tapped David and said, yeah, it is, David. It is something. Because that's what I do every single day. You see, the psalmist tells us in verse 3, they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Verse 4, yet... Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. God has taught David, and David is teaching us, saying, yes, the skies do speak. This amazing, wondrous thing, we we wonder about what if God actually wrote to us every single day, a message of his power and kindness and love in the sky. He does. And it's not just once upon a time. It's not just once in a blue moon. It's every single day it pours forth this message, and it's an amazing message. It is a glorious message. And that is why every day when we check on, we turn on the news or the weather, we see sunset and sunrise. Because it is such a remarkable thing what God has put in place. This glorious sky, these glorious heavens, God has put it in place. And the most jaded of us are amazed when we see a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise. And it's God's message to us about his glorious nature and his glorious works. Wow, the sky does speak. But where does it go, though? Does it really cover everything? Does it go everywhere that it should? Yeah, actually it does. The Bible says it extends to the farthest reaches of the earth. There is no place where this message cannot be heard. And so when we start to wonder and we start to think, well, shouldn't God just put it in the sky for everyone how much how great he is, and how much he loves them, God says, you're right. Glad you thought about that. I did too, a little bit before you, and I put that into my plans, that I would speak every single day through creation, announcing my glory and my plan for you. And when we start to get that, when we start to to say, wow, God, what have you put in front of my eyes? We realize that sometimes we're blind, like this thing we saw earlier. And I'm talking really blind. I'm talking more blind than a husband who's been sent on an errand to the kitchen by his wife. I mean, you know, that's a blind guy, right? He's never going to find what's right. But we're really blind. We, we miss what's right in front of us. Stephen Curtis Chapman years ago write, wrote a song, and he talked about Somebody playing Game Boy in the middle of the Grand Canyon. And I've never forgotten that line. I thought that was so interesting because I could kind of imagine, you know, this family, the dad, hey, we're going on a trip. You know, so mom and dad load up the wagon, the SUV, whatever. They, they tour across the whole country. They get to the Grand Canyon. They're so excited. Come on out, kids. Well, I'm in the middle of a game. I can't save right now, you know. <laughs> and Stephen Curry Chapman was like, That would be crazy to be playing on some little game in the middle of the Grand Canyon. And we say, oh, well, we're older, more mature children, teenagers, adults, senior adults. We would never do that. And yet we have our own games. We have our own fixations and our own hobbies and our own concerns that wrap us up. And for all practical purposes, we're sitting in the Grand Canyon of God's beauty and His creation and the wonder He's put all around us. And we're just beep, 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 playing our little game, missing what God has put in front of us. The psalmist talked a lot about nature. In an earlier psalm, Uh, He he said, when I consider your handiwork, it's Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read it so I get it just right. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? You see, when we actually wake up and, and get out uh, of this little trance we've been in, focusing on all kind of other stuff that's really trivial compared to all that God has for us, when we wake up and see the message, we are wowed, we are awed like David. and said, when I consider the works of your hands, when, when I even begin to think about the might, the splendor, the brilliance of your creation. God, I realize, what am I? Who am I, God, compared to you? I understand that you are mighty God, and I am mortal man. I I am just simple human being, boy, girl, man, woman, and we When we get this message of God speaking, we actually open our ears and our eyes and look and hear and receive the message. We understand how amazing God is and how much we need him. That same message is reflected throughout the Bible, including in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, it says this in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You see, there's not going to be anybody who's going to be able to stand before God one day and say, Oh, God, if I just knew you were there, if I just had some kind of little clue, if I just had some kind of little sign that you were actually out there Lord, then I would have started seeking you. Then I would have looked for you and tried to follow you. As God says, I've put the message in the sky for the whole world to hear. God has called all of us to seek him, to follow him, to know him. His message is there where we cannot miss it unless we choose to miss it. By living in our own little blindness, our own self-centeredness that ignores what God has done in this world. Friends, God has written in the sky. He's put it there. And you say, oh, but if he did this, oh, but you know what? Jesus was on earth doing miracles in front of the very eyes of the people around them. And yet many of them would not believe So if you want to say, well, I know he put the sun and the stars and he did this and that, but but if I could just add this one little thing to your plan, if you just do this one extra thing, God, then I think people would believe. If they didn't believe when the Son of God was walking and talking and performing miracles and showing love right in front of them, then there's no extent to which they would believe. But God is telling us clearly that in his world and his creation, He has spoken, and he continues to speak today, and he will continue to speak tomorrow and the next day until the end of all time. God's message is coming forth. The power never goes out. The volume never goes down. Will you choose to listen? Because the skies do speak. The heavens do declare the glory of God. How will you respond to that message? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Your creation is amazing. You've put this world together in such a way that it's full of awe and wonder, and yet it is discoverable. Lord, you you made the ability for us to learn more about you. And, and we can study and we can grow and we can learn more about all sorts of branches of sciences. And, and yet, Father, may we never forget that the ultimate revelation, the ultimate knowledge, is knowledge of you. Father, if some of us have taken that and put it backstage in our lives, if we've thrown it back down to the bottom of our priority list, God, get a hold of us, I pray. Shake us up. Help us to see how wondrous you are and how your ways and your priorities and your kingdom should come first in our lives. And God, if there's anybody listening today or any other day to this message, and Father, they haven't considered the works of your hands. They haven't considered the glorious craftsmanship and creation God, may today you put that on their heart. And may they realize that there is a creator God who not only loves them and created them, but beyond that is so full of grace that he gave his only son so that they might be redeemed. Lord, may they place, take that step of faith, embracing the truth and receiving your gift of eternal life. Father, we pray. That your name and your glory that goes forth in creation would just continue to spread. And, And, Father, that our lives would not take away from that one bit. But, Father, we would just add to the chorus of hallelujahs, of praises to your name. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.